Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to another episode of Georgia State University's Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute radio show. This is Lee Cantor with Stone, Peyton, and Stone. Got some big guns in here today. Hey, we do, man. This is going to be a fantastic segment. We've already had a lot of fun this morning. Uh, there's some bright, passionate folks here, students, faculty alike. This segment is going to be no exception. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast our three guests in this episode. First up, we're going to have a chance to visit uh, the dean with Robinson College of Business, Dr. Richard Phillips. We're going to speak with Janine McDonald and, of course, Lewis. And we decided before we went on the air, we're going to let Lewis handle the pronunciation of his last name as we bring him up. But uh, let's, let's, let's bring Dr. Richard Phillips in on this thing and let's learn a little bit about what these guys are up to, huh? Sounds good. All right. First up, we got uh, Dr. Richard Phillips, the dean of the J. Mack Robinson College of Business. Welcome. Thanks, Lee. Good to be here. Um, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about what makes the Robinson College of Business different? Yeah, so we're one of the 10 largest business schools, accredited business schools in the United States uh, today by faculty size. And so one thing that makes us unique is just the size of the school that we are. Um, another thing that makes us unique is the strategic plan that we're implementing right now, which was designed to bring a, a real innovation and entrepreneurial mindset um, into the business school and try to have, make sure that it impacts uh, across the entire platform um, of the business school. Now, why is it important to kind of get some entrepreneur DNA involved in this? Yeah, so that's a great question. I think we see a lot of discussion today um, in, uh, in various research reports and in the media about the the future of work and how labor markets are going to change in the future. And um, in, in our judgment, uh, creativity um, is going to get a, a wage premium in the, in the labor markets and be something that um, employers are going to be looking for uh, in their employees and something that um, people are going to want to do themselves. Uh, more startup businesses, more entrepreneurial efforts uh, coming because mechanical um, work and labor has already been automated through a lot of robots on assembly lines and mm -hmm. it's just going to continue uh, but now service work is being automated through artificial intelligence and machine other learning, machine right. learning and other techniques that are being adopted into business today and so the thing that's going to ultimately uh, uh, continue to be valued in the in the labor market is creativity and entrepreneurship and that's uh, an underlying theme of what it is we're building here now, um, do you see kind of the the landscape of a career? You know, when you were in school, there was a, a path maybe, and you would join a company and stay there for a period of time, and now it's more transient and so project-based rather than I'm going to be at, you know, get a gold watch in 20 years from an organization. Yeah, so we see that um, in our students. They they take jobs but or have those jobs for two or three years. and. Um, in many cases, they may stay with the same employer, but it'll definitely be a different job. They'll, uh, it's much more team-based work. The team will come together, work on a project, bring it to fruition. That team will break up and then move on, and, uh, and it'll be formed on a next team. So even if a person is working 
um, for the same company or same corporation, they'll be um, it'll be much more task oriented and project oriented, <coughs> and um, than it has been previously. And many cases, it's just as easy to get off a project team on a company and then move companies as well. So, and but that mindset is a little different, right? Because a lot of people are security conscious and they have this fear of change and this level of chaos, where this is kind of built into the world these days there's things being disrupted like you know what it wasn't even 10 years ago there was no facebook and now there's right. facebook right. and uber and all these other kind of technologies that you couldn't even have planned for even if you were the smartest person with the best planning skills yeah so there's clearly a lot of um consternation amongst um amongst individual employees and what does it mean what does lifelong learning really mean right and how do i continue to reskill um, so that I can be relevant um, in that labor market. Uh, one of the things that we're trying to do at, at the college, or we are doing at the college, to help students get used to that is putting them on project-based um, learning here. And in some cases, we're putting them on there before they know everything they need to know in order to solve the problem. Because that's real life. That's real <laughs> life. And And there's other people on that team who are they're seniors when this person is a sophomore <clears throat> and the seniors does know all the technical capabilities that are needed to solve this project but they can end up being the team lead on a on a class project like that and and educate people uh, juniors or sophomores who might be on that project because that's like real life you know you're going to um, the project teams that you get on in the company, some people are going to have 10 years of work experience and some are going to have two. Right. Um, so we're trying to create and mimic that, what that looks like in the real world inside of the business education that we're providing. And that's where that kind of entrepreneurship mindset comes into play because to be an entrepreneur, you have to embrace change, chaos, failure. These are all skills that will serve you well no matter what path you decide ultimately to go on. Yeah, you've got to have a vision, right? You have to know what good looks like, and then you need to start making your way there. Mm -hmm. And um, you're going to have to adapt. You're going to have to pivot. Every, every successful entrepreneur I've ever met always says, oh, yeah, we started that company. It was super successful, but it wasn't what we originally thought it was going to be. It turned out to be something different. We right. pivoted to it. So I think that ability to be agile and move and observe what's happening and where, where the trends are going to take you is a really critical skill. So now talk about the student body. Are you finding that the, the student is embracing that or are they afraid of that? Like, how do you kind of... Uh... Oh, sure. No, that's a great question. Um, just take the Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute. It will. It has not yet celebrated its third anniversary. It's coming up in May of uh, later this spring. Um, we launched uh, two and a half years ago, and we are, we are approaching now 500 students in the university that are uh, seeking a degree somewhere in entrepreneurship offered by this institute. Um, and, you know, we've barely just begun. Um, right. I could see this continuing to, you know, grow exponentially. Do you see, uh, so the students are kind of hungry for this type of knowledge? Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And you're talking to two of them a little right. later today, so you can get to them. But, you know, uh, 500 uh, majors uh, or degree seekers here across across the university, um, the way we've built the entrepreneurship program here at the undergraduate level was to make sure that um, any 
student in the university could take an entrepreneurship minor. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether you're in poetry or nursing or right? nursing or business or doesn't matter. Um, and with that degree, uh, the, we built it in a modular way so that other areas of the university could add their domain expertise to it and build a bachelor's degree out of it. And so ultimately the, the vision here is that we can have entrepreneurship programs uh, with different areas of emphasis all around the university. And, and which again, that's real life because uh, an entrepreneur could be anywhere seeing a problem that they want to solve. Everything we've talked about in the future of work doesn't know a boundary of what that labor market is. Right. It, it's, gonna, it's going to impact um, all of them. And so we wanted to create that atmosphere inside the university. Now, how difficult was it to get buy-in university-wide for this embracing of entrepreneurship? Because it is a little different than other uh, universities or handle business. Yeah, so um, President Becker here is a um, is our number one champion um, for this effort at Georgia State University. Um, there was um, uh, a coming together of university presidents around the country who, um, who believed in building um, universities that are the economic and entrepreneurial engines of their region. Mm-hmm. And he was an early signator um, on that effort, uh, which produced a, an official letter saying that, you know, this is to the world, this is what we think is important. And so he's really championed this entrepreneurial um, mindset um, across the university. And given those of us that have the ability to execute against that from our leveraging the assets that we have in our different areas, uh, the possibility to all come together and be able to do this and to do it at scale, right? With a lot of impact uh, across the entire business school and across the entire university. And uh, how do you find kind of the Atlanta market in terms of embracing this? There's always um, kind of an enterprise entrepreneurial uh, collaboration that occurs. How do you see the universities plugging into that ecosystem? Atlanta is a great entrepreneurial environment, as I mean, as you well know here at Business Radio X. Um, and it's um, it's existed for a long time in Atlanta. You know, the old we heard it repeated often with the Super Bowl here just recently. You know, repeated Atlanta is the city too busy to hate. It just has this pragmatic view of come on, we can all get together and just do good work. Um, and that through commerce, um, not just will we create value for our families and our communities, but we can address social ills um, as well through um, economic activity. And that's that's been a, a lifeblood of Atlanta for a long time. And we're thrilled to be able to participate in it in the 21st century version of that. So now what are some ways that the university kind of collaborates with small and large businesses? So we have a um, we have an incubator here on campus where we're incubating uh, new companies um, out of uh, out of ENI. Um, we've uh, that incubator has existed for a while, also in uh, doing some technology transfer out of the life sciences, primarily out of the life sciences area um, of of the university. Um, we participate in the you know in the research ecosystem um, of the university campuses that are here in Atlanta, uh, together with our you know, brethren and sisters at Georgia Tech and at uh, Emory University. Um, so we've been part of that um, that innovation ecosystem for a long time. And I know you're getting involved in um, blockchain. You're creating some 
kind of um, cutting edge right uh, work in blockchain and uh, fintech. I know that you guys are active in that space as well. We are. So we launched um, a year and a half ago the Fintech Innovation Lab, which was the first um, uh, innovation lab focused on fintech and blockchain applications um, here in the state of Georgia in a business school. Um, and then uh, just last fall, the University System of Georgia announced that it was going to launch uh, the Georgia Fintech Academy, which is a consortium of the 26 universities within the university system working together in partnership with private industry to champion the um, fintech industry here in Georgia, which is a dominant uh, industry. Right. Not globally. everybody knows that how um, central Atlanta is to the fintech community, but most credit card transactions come through. Yeah, they, the, the, probably the street. Yeah. The, <laughs> <laughs> the statistic that gets cited is that 70% of all us debit and credit card transactions are processed by a company here, mm-hmm. uh, in the Atlanta Metro region. So it makes perfect sense where the universities are yeah. participating in that space. And they have a huge talent demand need, mm-hmm. um, that they're looking to fill, uh, in the research that was done, uh, 5,000 employees were needed over the next uh, three years in order to meet their growth right. needs just on talent alone. Um, and there's no one, the, the solution was that no one uh, university is going to be able to provide uh, those companies that kind of talent. And so could we bring together all of the universities in the system and uh, to bear against that, bear against that, um, that challenge? And at the same time, students that are participating, uh, uh, let's say, uh, in a university outside the metro region, where we're going to build, because the companies are here, we have relationships, um, incentives to build um, partnerships with these companies, um, how can we make that capability relevant to a student who's studying, let's say, in southwest Georgia, where agribusiness is what drives the economy in the local region, but to give a student there who's interested in fintech, how do I gain access to that while I'm here on my local campus? Right. So the academy's vision is that we'll be able to set up the systems, both um, process, right, how we get people to transfer to Atlanta and, and take advantage of these opportunities, but also how do we allow students on their own campus to gain access to some of these experiences and learning opportunities using virtual technologies? Right, which is becoming more and more um Absolutely. Now, um, I guess, uh, how do you handle the challenge, which is a blessing, I think, for the state of Georgia, is having such a diverse economy and having so many industries being here. From a business school standpoint, how do you kind of prepare the student to embrace and be good at all of those different, like you mentioned fintech, Mm -hmm. there's healthcare IT, there's film there's gaming, there's all different, a wide variety, the supply chain, logistics, sure. all these different kind of industries that uh, Atlanta and Georgia have access to, where in some states that isn't the case. They're kind of one industry town or two industry towns, right. but here there's such a diversity. Um, how do you offer the, the education that each of them needs so they can stay in town so they don't have to go elsewhere? Yeah, that's a, a great point about the state of Georgia. It's one of the um, most diverse economies of any state um, in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives us a great opportunity to weather um, the, the right, peaks and, down, and valleys right. of the economic cycle, for sure. Um, 
you know, and uh, and so we love that uh, we're in this uh, potpourri mix of, of industries here. Um, I think it's a great advantage for our state. Um, I think at the same time, um, any great institution needs to decide where they want to play and how they right. define a win um, for them. And uh, and I think that you know at the Robinson College we've chosen what that theme is where we really want to be known um, for what it is that we're doing here and um, being incredibly innovative with uh, the, the, our student programs and giving them this entrepreneurial mindset uh, before they leave, regardless of where they where they because that's started kind of industry from. agnostic, right? Uh, innovation and entrepreneurship. Absolutely. Mindset. Yep. You talk to any CEO today. And they'll they'll tell you you know but the thing that keeps them up at night is just a rapid change of pace mm-hmm. um, and the diffusion of this technology across um, all of their internal processes all of their product markets the way they think about it all the way they need to gain access to customers through new changes in marketing to just outright disruptions of their companies or product markets or industries um, and so we are infusing this entrepreneurial mindset of um, in, in all of our students to address that. Now, do you find that by taking that tact, is that helping you attract um, talent in terms of the professors and the instructors? Yeah. Um, it, uh, um, interestingly, the, uh, on, the, on the faculty side, um, it, uh, we made a decision here a few years ago when we started implementing this uh, strategic plan that I would personally visit um, and everyone on the senior management team would personally visit every applicant for a faculty line here. Historically, it was only the case that the dean would get involved in faculty hiring if it was a, only a senior person. Mm-hmm. And I meet every junior faculty candidate here, um, senior faculty candidate here, everyone, because we want to get them excited about um, coming here if you have this desire to be part of this entrepreneurial environment that we're building. And quite frankly, if you don't, it's not we're not exactly fit. sure if it's going to, you might be better off somewhere else. Right. Because um, culture is important in uh, the entrepreneurship world. So well, it's probably more important from your side, right? You got to get everybody to buy in philosophically exactly. or else there's going to be problems. What's the old saying? Uh, culture eats strategy for lunch every That's day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So you got to get that right. Yeah. And it's one of those right. things. If you're not trying to create a culture, you're going to create a culture anyway. So you might as well manage it as yeah, best you can. Exactly. On the student side, um, the university is growing. Um, uh, the downtown campus was a little over 34,000 students this year at the university mm-hmm. level. Um, and we were up, I think, 16%. Don't quote me on that. I'll have to check my mm-hmm. statistics. Um, and in the College of Business, uh, from a, a 16% of new students that enrolled here um, this year, uh, both freshmen as well as transition students and transfer students at, at sophomore and senior and other grades. Um, at the in the Robinson College, we were up twenty three percent this mm-hmm. fall. I can quote you on that. Students. I bet you know that number. Yes, we do. <laughs> you can quote me on that one exactly. Um, and at the graduate level, we're also seeing um, a rise in our MBA enrollments and mm-hmm. our um, and because we're such a large business school, uh, we offer one of the largest portfolio uh, specialized master's programs um, in the country of any business school. Um, and so we've seen really solid enrollment growth um, in that area as well. So it's an exciting time to be here at Robinson. Now, um, you have been recognized for innovation, right? We have been recognized for innovation. Um, we're very proud of um, the Women Lead program that we started a couple of years ago. 
Um, it's one of the few women leadership uh, programs that's offered on a university-wide basis and offered to and targeted to undergraduate students. Um, and we were inspired uh, for that program uh, by a book uh, that Cheryl Sandberg, the COO of Facebook, wrote right, a couple uh, years ago, Lean In. Lean In. And one of the messages that she has in that book is that uh, where you end up in life in your career, or personally for that matter, is, is path dependent. The decisions you make today affect kind of the direction and right, trajectory. So dominoes, where right? Exactly. And we felt like um, uh, many leadership programs are offered in graduate school after somebody has already made a bunch of decisions in their career or their life about um, how they even got to graduate school. And so we really wanted to pull it back into the undergraduate program, um, meet students in their sophomore and junior years, and, and equip them with this mindset that where you, um, your outcomes are a function of the decisions you make. And because you've made some decisions, it's hard to rotate them back and go a different direction later right. on. And so you need to build that intentionality into um, your decision-making process. And a lot of you know, sophomore and junior students, they're not always thinking that way. Right. And so this was a great opportunity to get there and, and, and talk with young women about um, making those kinds of decisions, having the confidence to make those kinds of decisions. Um, and then, as we said earlier, evaluate. Did we make the right decision? Yes, no. What do we want to do next? Um, and it's been a wonderful program. And last year, um, our accrediting body, the um, Association of Collegiate Schools of Business, uh, awarded that an, an Innovation That Inspires Award, which is a global award available to any accredited business school around the world, of which there's thousands. And then uh, Georgia State as a university has been also um, kind of given credit for their innovative way that they're keeping students yeah, in the school and um, graduating. Absolutely. Um, Georgia State uh, in September of 2018, um, in the latest ranking for U.S. News and World Report, was ranked number two as second most innovative university in the country. Uh, number one was Arizona State. Us, we were number two, and I believe MIT was number three on that list. Um, and it's not that we just jumped there um, from out of nowhere last year. Um, the previous year, we were number four. And if I recall correctly, we were number four on that list for two years in a row. And the year before that, we were number five. So we've had a recognition by our peers in across higher education that this is a, a very innovative university in the way that we approach both student success and in the way that we approach building the research infrastructure of this university at the same time. And I don't know if everybody realizes how large Georgia State University is. There's, It's now the largest um, uh, university in the state of Georgia, uh, 52 or 53,000 students um, in total, um, 34,000 students on the downtown campus here, and the remainder um, in our two-year college, uh, perimeter college, around 18 or 19,000 students. Now, being that large, I would imagine you have a pretty um, robust alumni network. The alumni network for the university is approaching almost 200,000 alums. And in the Robinson College of Business, uh, we are approaching 80,000 alums, uh, 45,000 of whom work and live in, uh, in the in Atlanta region and the state of Georgia. Um, but at the same time, that's 35,000 alums that are 
around the world and around the country. Um, and so we have thousands of alums, for example, that work in the New York, you know, New Jersey Metroplex. We have thousands of alums who are out in California working in Silicon Valley and, and Los Angeles and, and elsewhere. Um, you know, it, it, the reach of this business school and the alumni base is, uh, is really very, very impressive. Um, and not a lot of people um, are aware of it, but we've, uh, the business school, as I mentioned earlier, is, is among the 10 largest accredited business schools in the country. We have been one of the largest accredited right. business schools in the country for decades. Right. And it, so, it wasn't just this year. No. <laughs> so for, for just you know, 40, 50 years, we've been producing thousands and thousands of MBAs and in this great city that's been growing like crazy over, the la over that time period. And people following their career wherever it took them. Well, if it left them here in Atlanta to become a member of the C-suite, great. And if it took them to be a member of the C-suite in New York or San Francisco or Chicago, that's great as well. So now, how do you recommend uh, students leverage the alumni network? Well, they certainly need to get involved with our Career Advancement Center, um, which is one of our main conduits um, into the alumni network here. Uh, we maintain a lot of relationships and leverage those relationships for the benefit of our current students. Um, and coincidentally, just today, we have our um, Spring Career Expo, which is being held in one of the downtown hotels here in a ballroom. We have over 100 companies and 1,200 students that are participating in that Career Expo just today. Now, um, with you today are a couple entrepreneurs that have gone through Robinson? Absolutely, a couple of our couple of our recent products so do you do you want to introduce them or shall i um i'll let you introduce them all right uh first up let's talk with janine mcdonald hello thank you for having me on the show today all right janine tell us about your venture what are you up to all right so i'm janine i'm also known as Susie soma and i am the founder of Susie soma chokers so i create chokers and chains and they are made to inspire women to live more limitlessly. So each choker or chain has its own affirmation with it. Now, um, how did GSU help you with this? Um, GSU has really been awesome. I actually participated in the entrepreneurship organization pitch contest this past semester, and I actually played second place. So that was awesome. Um, Jackie has been great. She's connected me with this and other opportunities. And I've also been able to meet other entrepreneurs as well. So now, did you always want to be an entrepreneur? Yeah. <laughs> I actually, the first thing I sold, I was in kindergarten. And it was a dress that I stitched up by hand. And I came home and my mom was wondering, she was like, where did you get this money from? And I was like, I sold something. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yes, my whole life. So now, uh, what's your degree in? I am a social entrepreneurship major. So now, how'd you find out about that program? Because that's relatively new. I, I think I was already interested in social entrepreneurship. So when I looked into the entrepreneurship department, I saw that they had social entrepreneurship as a major, and it fit perfectly with what I've always been drawn to. Now, so. what do you like about social entrepreneurship? Um, I really like helping people. I'm a very innovative type of person, and I like creating things. So I think just being able to create solutions is something that draws me in. Now, when you started this business, did you go through kind of the any type of startup uh, methodology? Like, did you do mm -hmm. discovery and try to find clients? Uh, like, how did how did that come about? Or I you would, just went for it? I would say I pretty much 
I did a lot of research, but I think at a certain point I just went for it. And then um, I got into the social entrepreneurship major maybe about a year after I started my business, and then I kind of did more research then. Now, is your venture Mm -hmm. a social enterprise? Is there some giving back to the community as part of it? I would say really it's more so entwined with just my whole mission for each choker. So um, every affirmation that I make, it's something that um, really relates to the community of women around me, and it's something that will empower them when they're saying their affirmations. So I would say that's the main um, social aspect of the chokers. So now for uh, students that are listening, um, Mm -hmm. what kind of advice would you give them? I would say, honestly, if you're interested in something, go ahead and start. And then, of course, do your research and see what will, um, I guess, really fit what the market wants and what you have that are skills of yours. And then go ahead and start and then stay consistent. And that's how you'll you'll naturally pivot, like we were talking about earlier. And um, you'll kind of see more so what is your core mission. And as you keep going, you'll get more momentum as well. Did you have to pivot? I actually, funny enough, it's actually been a year, probably like sometime within this last week since I started actually including the affirmations. At first, I was just making chokers and chains, and I knew when I was making the pieces that I wanted them to empower women, and then I realized that every time I came up with a collection, there was always a concept, and I said, you know what, instead of it just being a concept, it should really be an affirmation, because it's something that I want women to tell themselves when they're wearing it, so that way they can just feel, you know, just the benefits of thinking more positively. What's an example of one of the affirmations? Good question. So actually what I'm wearing right now, (laughs) this is the dragon choker, and the affirmation is the clarity of my desires match the strength of my boundaries. And this is all about, um, you know, it's the beginning of the year, just being able to really have strong boundaries for your life so you can live how you want to because you can dream all day, but at the end of the day, you have to have that structure in place to really make it happen. You got to take action at some point. Yes, exactly. Get out of your head. Exactly. Get out of your head. So now uh, what's next for you guys? So what's next? I actually have a Valentine's Day collection out now. Um, And then after that, of course, this this year, I'm really excited about the collections that are to come. Then I also will be introducing ambassadors because I want to spread the word. So that will be launching this year, be having more ambassadors and then also just being in more locations. And then uh, if somebody wanted to learn more, is there a website? Yes. If you want to learn more about Suzy Soma, you can head over to suzysoma.com. That's S-U-Z-I-S-O-M-A.com. I'm also really active on Instagram and Twitter at Suzy Soma Chokers. And um, you can learn more and you can even purchase your chokers there. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Thank you. All right. Next up, we got Louise Ferrer, which I said wrong both times, right? Or am I in the neighborhood? Look, I'm from Miami, so I might be in the neighborhood. Um, no, that's uh, that's what everybody says. I think, I, think of, I think that's my name by now. <laughs> All right. So we've, we've changed your name. Tell us about your business. What are you doing to serve folks? Um, uh, so what I created about a year ago uh, was Bitcraft. Uh, that's a software agency. Um, uh, I created it with uh, four other um, friends, also students here at Georgia State. Um, uh, we started 
it all started from our interest in cryptocurrencies. Um, you know, like 2017 was kind of like the boom uh, for cryptocurrencies. After I started learning about it, um, um, I got really interested in, on it. And then a friend of mine approached me. He was like, hey, like, you know, like cryptos are great. Investing in them is great. But like, how about we actually built products that use them? Um, and then uh, it becoming a software agency just um, happened from the need of some uh, income to maintain the business, right? Um, so we said, how about we bootstrap this, uh, try to build our own internal products, and then it just, you know, like keep some money for buying food um, by, you know, providing our services and knowledge to other companies. So what's an example of some of your software that you do for companies? Um, so funny enough, uh, first of our clients, we actually didn't do much of a crypto work for, uh, but it was a cryptocurrency company um, uh, called Block Explorer. Um, and we were basically just doing web development for them um, on, their, on their platform. That's your background? Uh, You're a software engineer? Yeah, so I graduated with a major of computer science um, from Georgia State and a minor in entrepreneurship. And then, so you had a real job, yeah. And this was a side hustle kind of um, thing. So by then, uh, I was studying. I had an internship at a startup called Rigger, which I'm mm -hmm. still working now. Um, now I'm a full time employee over there. Uh, we're located at the Atlanta Tech Village. And software engineers, that's there's like zero unemployment for you guys, right? <laughs> I mean, you got to be good, uh, especially if you're in the um, startup industry. At we really are in need of like really good developers um, because you know like when there's only so much money and so many resources uh, to get a product going you really need like the top the people that are on the top and of there's the a difference right between an A engineer and a, a B engineer uh, there is a big <laughs> difference in you know people that got a degree and people that actually learned things on their own time so can a potential client come to you and say I want a piece of software that will do this and you'll sit down with them and actually try to design it or does it need to be is it more confined than that um so it all starts from an idea just like that like we got people to reach out to us with some very broad idea and then we give them a 15 to 30 minute um you know like meeting or chat chat to talk about what their product actually looks like or what it should look like uh and then from there we go into you know like is this even like a good product for us to build? Should we recommend them to another agency? Okay, um, okay. Yeah. Strictly hypothetically, let's say that there's a piece of software that is open source, right? At the moment, it's open source, and a media company is using it to simultaneously record and broadcast interviews. But what they would like is something very much like that, but that was more proprietary. Could we sit down and talk that through and you might say, well, yeah, we can build that or we can refer you to somebody to, that would build something like that. Are you, Stone, you don't have you a media company in mind, do you? I, I, I think I do, yes. Right now, as we speak, and, and this yeah. is something that's been on the back of my mind for years, and I've taken a couple swings at it, like on Fiverr or whatever, but right now we're using a piece of open source software that's perfectly adequate. We are recording this interview. We are broadcasting it live. I got another little separate little piece of software that played that intro that we did, and it yeah. will play the outro. 
it, you know, that we'll play a couple of minutes after you start to get boring and it's time to knock it. <laughs> um, but I would love, we would love for the Business Radio X Network to have a more proprietary sort of BRX broadcaster thingy bobber. Is that in your wheelhouse or at least am I in the neighborhood of a project you might try to take on? Um, so to me, that sounds like it would be like a piece of like desktop software. If it was like software as a service, like something like a, a website that does all those things, uh, that's something that's in our in, in our courtyard. That's something okay. that we deal with. Um, uh, just to provide some context, uh, since the day that we started Bitcraft, it actually pivoted and we don't work with crypto and we actually work with cloud tools and, and web development, uh, but mainly cloud infrastructure. So... In this case, you know, like if we build a, a software like the one that you're mentioning uh, as a website that provides all this functionality and that works as a software as a service that maybe you and other people can use and create their accounts and whatnot, that definitely falls within uh, the things that we do. Um, but that's yeah. that's how you work with potential clients, right? You, have you at least have the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And then even if you decide, okay, that's not exactly what we want to do, but hey, I've got a bit of a feel for what you're trying to accomplish you'll try to help us find the right resource. I I believe that uh, part of my mission in the startup world is to actually get other startups going in some way, even if I don't, if I'm not like the maker of that startup. So there's a lot of potential clients that I've sit down with and at the end of a conversation, I'm just like, hey, like this idea that you have, it sounds great. Um, But you know, like I would recommend you do like this, this and this and like these prior steps before you start uh, making a product out of it Uh, and just give just like feedback on the things that I've learned throughout my entrepreneur entrepreneurial career and not just the uh, technical side of things um, and yes I'm always happy to like refer people uh, to other agencies when we don't have enough people or we just don't have the um, technical exp- expertise to build a product that we have been are being asked for uh, but I always find it, like very pleasant to just sit down and talk about business ideas and hey how can we help you out uh, not just from the technical uh, point of view but hey, how can you run some research before you even start this uh, to see if this is actually a good thing? Because we don't want to build something for somebody, charge them like 20K for an app, and then they go and try to like sell it, and it just doesn't sell. And we ultimately, we want people that we work with to be successful, and that's, like, that's one of the things that we do when we're first validating uh, if we should work on something or not. Now, uh, how do you get new clients? Like you're, you have a full-time job. Um, so we actually, um, so my partner right now, he studies at Georgia Tech, um, but he is doing, um, we can't mention his name. (laughs) We can. My partner, my partner's name is, uh, we can't, can we not? No, you can't. (laughs) We all get along here. We're all working together. (laughs) Um, oh yeah. His name is, uh, Philip Kinney. Um, he goes to Georgia Tech. He's a computer science student, but, uh, He's like me in the sense that he just like likes learning anything that he just doesn't know yet. He's very entrepreneurial, and uh, he has been running our sales, um, basically just building um, some repeatable process that we can, you know, like basically spam people as bad as that sounds to see if anybody like needs our services. Uh, reach out to the right communities, post on job boards and whatnot, and that's how we found the people that we've worked with. That's how you found clients so far. Uh, that has helped us um, we a bit. I'm not going to say that we have like a pretty great way of doing sales. I think that's our, our, the thing that we like the most right now. Uh, we found uh, one client through posting on job posts, on job boards. 
but honestly, uh, one of our clients we found through a contact, and then another client we found through um, posting blog posts. So creating content is a very um, strong source for people to just like you know they read your content content and they they just you know if your content is sound then they trust you from just reading that and then they reach out if they need help with those specific things now uh what's the pain they're having where uh you guys are the solution um really depends on the person but as a software agency a lot of time the people that we work with usually already have uh validated that their idea is going to sell right and then uh, they come to us for the technical needs, right? A lot of times they're not developers themselves, or maybe they have developers, but um, they don't have enough of them. And like I said, even though there's a lot of people graduating with computer science degrees, not everyone is a good developer. Um, so a lot of times, you know, people have like four developers in the team, they need two more, they come to us and they're like, hey, you guys can like help us out with this. So we, sometimes we work like just building the product from scratch, and sometimes we just lend developers uh, to other teams to help them out. And then the perfect projects, though, are software as a service proje projects? Say it again? The perfect project for you guys yeah. to work on are software as a service projects? Yeah, yeah, basically, because we don't, we don't handle stuff like creating um, programs that are going to be running on Windows or Mac, like just, just native programs for, for operating systems. Uh, we build websites, uh, and we know how to use several frameworks to um, build software as a service and, and, and we we know the in and outs of like cloud infrastructure and uh, networking and those things uh, and nowadays just building a SaaS product has become increasingly easy with uh, services like Amazon Web Services and, and Google Cloud Engine and, and whatnot so that that's the part that we specialize in. Now what's the most rewarding part of being an entrepreneur for you? I think the most rewarding part is uh, being able to help people um, it, it's, you know, like being an entrepreneur is finding solutions. Um, and these solutions are supposed to be fixing, you know, like pains or making life easier in some way. And that's why I've always had an affinity for, um, automation tools or, um, you know, tools that make your day to day easier. Um, just because that gratification that I get when I use a very, a very well designed tool in my day to day life that saves me like 30 minutes per day. I, that's the thing that I want to create for other people. Um, but yeah, like that that's more of a talk of like what, when we're designing a product that's going to be helping with those things and when we're just like designing something for a client when uh, it doesn't really matter too much like the direction that we want the product to go in, we just like do a said. Now, um, how, did, how does Georgia State help you kind of achieve your goals? Uh, Georgia State... Uh, <laughs> They gave me like the entire platform uh, to get started. Um, you know, my my partners at the beginning and now have been Georgia State students. Even Philip, who uh, goes to Tech, he used to go to Georgia State and then he transferred. Um, so I, I met like all of my closest friends that I would start businesses with in here. And um, then as I did my entrepreneurship minor. Um, I just learned so much about how to start a business that you just don't get to learn uh, anywhere else. I mean, you can learn it on your own, but it's gonna kind of like in a case by case basis. Uh, how do I write my uh, first uh, shareholders agreement? And then you Google that and then like you get that information. But instead of that, I had already gone to a class 
an entrepreneurship class that taught me all of those things and how to get you know a business started. Uh, even took an internet law class that was super insightful. And now like I just see red flags everywhere when people are telling me like, oh, we should use this tool. And then I'm just like, okay, like stat. Is that even legal? Like uh, we should like we should like check this check this checkbox on the website so people are more likely to like sign up. And I'm like, okay, would you make sure to not have that on like for European citizens and stuff like that. Uh, I we I got really uh, cognizant of. Um, and overall, I also had a, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Isabel uh, Isabel Monlui. She is a professor here at the entrepreneurship department and uh, she was my first entrepreneurship professor and she was the most amazing professor that I had in my entire uh, undergrad career. Um, in her class, I, I got to like start another kind of startup that already died. We can get into it if, if we want to. But, uh, and, and we participated in this in the first startup battle hosted by TechSquare Labs uh, and got into top five with that idea. Uh, just in my first entrepreneurship class and, and with her help, I, I've just done a lot of things. I've gone to pitch competitions and, and you know, like having professors like that, that really care on like building you as an entrepreneur and giving you the opportunities. Cause you really just need to have a lot of contacts and resources at your disposal to be an entrepreneur. I think that's the thing. That's the most valuable thing that I've gotten. What about the mentality of failing? Isn't the end of the world that that's just part of the learning process. Yeah, I mean, like that's something that gets reinforced by every professor in the entrepreneurship department that I've had. Um, but to be honest, like that's just a mindset that I've always had in my entire life because that's just something that my parents uh, taught me. In you. Yeah. Now, so you've been had kind of an entrepreneurial life. Your parents were entrepreneurs, or you were entrepreneur young. Yeah. So uh, my mom uh, was a professor in a. Um, university back in San Cristobal, Venezuela, and uh, she was an entrepreneurship professor, and she did like her own like side hustle. So she would like buy real estate and sell it and uh, rent um, uh, different real estate as well. And then my dad had uh, kind of like what's AT and T stores over here. Over mm -hmm. there, we use like Movistar, and then he had like several of those stores. Um, so from them both, I like learned a lot uh, of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. Um, basically my mom every lunch was just talking about businesses and it's just like oh i just had this idea and we just like bounce ideas like back and that's forth that's just normal that's uh, that yeah, was our life. normal day-to-day -day life you know and uh, in fact when we are with other family members they just like complain about how the other only thing that my mom and i talk is about business <laughs> but that's what that's your hobby right which that, is your life yeah i mean it's it's really fun i just it's it, a lifestyle it, yeah i like I, I tell people hey like if you have a business idea contact me let's go like get coffee and like let's bounce ideas and and like i'm not gonna ask you any equity in your startup like i just want it's just fun right so now if somebody wants to learn more about uh bitcraft where can they go uh so you can go to bitcraft.io um or you can visit our uh, instagram at bitcraft.io um or you can also visit my instagram uh louis labarca that's l-u-i-s-l-a-b-a-r-c-a -A -A, uh where i just uh post um kind of like what my lifestyle is um as a software developer and an entrepreneur and you know just trying to instill some entrepreneurial and and motivation spirit in people good stuff well thank you so much for sharing your story yeah thank you all right dean you must be proud right this is why you get up in the morning this is why I get up in the morning. Two great students, absolutely. And they're trying to make a difference, and they're trying to do it their way. And it's a lot of it. it they learn from 
the folks here at GSU? I think it goes to part of the just the inclusive culture that we have here at Georgia State. Um, you heard Janine talk about you know her social uh, wanting to give back is through the affirmations mm-hmm. um, and a, a great um, great motivator for hopefully many young women. Mm-hmm. Um, around and, and Luis is happy to give advice and doesn't want an equity stake in businesses. Right. So. <laughs> now, if somebody went to learn more about the program, what's the coordinates for the GSU Business School? Uh, so for the Robinson College of Business, it's just robinson.gsu.edu. And if you want to learn more about what's happening in entrepreneurship and innovation at Georgia State, it's eni.gsu.edu. Good stuff. Well, thank you for putting this episode together. We uh, had a great time this morning and uh, look forward to hearing about all the listeners and what their feedback is. And, uh, and uh, thanks very much for coming in. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on Georgia State University's Entrepreneurship and Innovation Institute radio show.